0: Hello and welcome to the Peace Alliance Hope Story Circle. It's so lovely to see all of you here. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. And. I'm Terry Mason on the board of the Peace Alliance. I'm co-facilitating today with Liz Gannon-Graden, Graydon, is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead and mindfulness expert. And our special guest today, I am so heartfully delighted to share, is Azim Kamisa, And he is a longtime friend of the Peace Alliance. Azim, can you come off mute and say hello?
1: Good morning and greetings. and. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world and pleasure to be here. I've always been a big fan of the Peace Alliance and thank you, thank you for doing the important work.
0: Well, we're delighted to have you join us today. And we have a, a video to share to start with. Nazim thought it would be a perfect introduction to his talk and we agreed completely. So I'm gonna share my screen
2: and share the video and the audio Should share on the podcast.
3: Time now for our Friday Making a Difference report and the story of a man whose capacity for forgiveness is astonishing. He suffered the worst loss a parent can ever face, and yet he decided to turn his grief into something positive for himself and a troubled young man. Here's NBC's John
4: Marson. A documentary began the story like this. 14-year-old Tony Higgs shot and killed 20-year-old Tariq Kamisa. A 14-year-old murders a promising young college student for the cost of a pizza and becomes the youngest child in California history charged as an adult with murder and gets life in prison.
1: It was like a nuclear bomb going off in my heart.
4: Azim Kamisa, the father of the victim, buried his only son, Tariq, according to their Muslim custom. He climbed down into the muddy grave. It had been raining. And they lowered his son's body, wrapped in a white cloth, down into his open arms.
5: Yeah,
2: I didn't want to live there alone. I
4: stayed there a long time.
1: When something bad happens, it can stop that bad from happening to other people.
4: But when he finally came up, he did something remarkable. It is wrong to lie to cheat. First, he forgave the family of the killer. It was a defining moment in my life. Only to that forgiveness, which in turn helped Azim start the Tariq Kamisa Foundation, speaking together to more than a million children about the real pain of violence. Sometimes
1: it scars the soul forever.
4: Then Azim visited Tony Hicks, the killer, who had never had a father. And forgave him too. His forgiveness was something wasn't something I expected. Now Azim is lobbying to have Tony released from prison early, like he was his own son. And when he gets out of prison, what do you hope for him?
1: Will have a job for him at the foundation.
4: So you're you're going to hire him? Absolutely. This is the killer of your son. Yes. Tony says now he knows what a real father is. I, I had a man forgive me for taking the life of his son. And he will work for that father, and for many who maybe never had fathers, someday, whether he gets out early or not. John Larson, NBC News, San Diego,
6: California.
1: Well, good morning again, and namaste. And uh, I thought I might start uh, with a prayer uh, from my tradition. I practice as a Sufi Muslim. Most of you know Sufis. Uh, Rumi is our famous Sufi. And I grew up as a Sufi and I still practice as a Sufi. So this prayer comes from that tradition. So I'll say it in Arabic first and then translate it. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allah, who salam, wa minka salam, wa laika jo salam. Haina rabna be salam, wa tkil salam. Haina rabna be salam, wa tkil na salam. Wa tkil na salam. So, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent and the most merciful. O Allah, O our Lord, thou art the peace, from thee is the peace, and to thee returneth the peace. O Allah, O our Lord, give us a life of peace, and usher us into the abode of peace. So my portal to peace uh, was forgiveness. I, I authored five books, but My first book was From Murder to Forgiveness, and I followed that uh, with a a sequel called From Forgiveness to Fulfillment, because the work that I've done in the aftermath of my son's tragedy, which, by the way, was 27 years ago, um, has been very fulfilling. Uh, The foundation with the grace of God is now entering It's 28th year next month. We started in October of 95. Uh, My son died in January of 1995 and we're making a big difference in saving lives of kids. I've given now, I think over a thousand presentations to kids worldwide, over a million kids. And and, uh, I know that uh, what uh, we're teaching in terms of accountability uh, empathy, compassion, forgiveness, and peace building uh, is teachable. So that's been a very fulfilling experience. And then I followed the book of, uh, my trilogy was from Fulfillment to Peace. So the genesis is very dark as uh, uh, you saw in the video. And over a 25 plus year journey, uh, today, I'm at a level of peace I, I I, never before experienced. Not that I would want my son back, of course. I'd love to have him back in a New York second, but that's not possible. But uh, the choice I made uh, 27 years ago um, was the right one. And um, Tony... Uh, I'm sure you're thinking, uh, what happened to that young man? Uh, He turned 42 yesterday and we were together speaking at a Rotary meeting in San Diego where I live. And I met him when he was 19 and stayed in his life. Uh, And finally he was released in 2019 and is now volunteering and for the foundation like his grandfather, who is still with me, and I have for the last 27 years. And uh, if you met him, you wouldn't think that he spent, and he was 39 when he was released. So you wouldn't think that this young man that went to prison at the age of 14 and spent 25 years in prison, which is a very really dark space. I met him at the, you know, at the New Folsom Prison near Sacramento, in um, uh, in five years after the tragedy in 2020, and I, and I do know that uh, the prisons are very difficult places, very dark places. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of segregation, and he suffered through all of that, but you wouldn't be able to tell him He's, uh uh, uh finished his uh, high school graduation when he was um, in prison self taught himself he's read a lot of books he's uh, always uh, he's read the torah the quran the bible he always questioning me about sufism and um, now he's uh, uh, working for a plumbing company that supports the foundation and uh, volunteers for the foundation and I mean we just uh, we speak a lot together and I think you can see the power of him on stage when he says when I was 11 I joined a gang when I was 14 I um killed Mr Kamisa's son I've been I spent umpteen years in prison I wish I could turn the clock back And think about how many 11 years old in the audience that are thinking about joining again will change their mind. Mm. The foundation reaches 20, 30,000 kids every year. So we're excited to have him as part of the story. And Tony actually wrote the foreword to my last book, which was from Fulfillment to Peace. But uh and I wanna go back to, I keep an active journal. And, and I think that, uh, that uh, and I continue to write in my journal and it was a, a big part of my healing process. And I remember soon after Taring died, I, put a, I wrote in my journal that there's nothing quite so painful as a broken heart. It's nothing quite so painful as a broken heart, but a broken heart is an open heart. If one can learn to live with an open heart, gentle transformations begin to manifest. And I am uh, amazed at everything that has manifested in my life as a result of the choice I made 27 years ago, beyond my wildest dreams. And I think that more people would get the benefits of forgiveness, uh, I think we would see more forgiveness in the world. And, of course, I think it would create more compassion and empathy, as Terry opened, you know, the comments today, and more peace. But we don't see many examples of uh, forgiveness, and I'm often asked, how was I able to get there? In every tragedy and trauma, sometimes there's a spark of clarity. When you think about it, every saint has suffered the dark night of the soul. And of course, that was the dark night of my soul. And I started to meditate when I was 20. My mom was very spiritual, my dad was a businessman. I grew up with equal emphasis on my spiritual life and my career, and uh, I lost Tariq in my early 40s. So I had a pretty strong, yeah, I used to meditate an hour a day. Now my practice is two hours a day. And I remember that when I found out that Tariq had been shot and killed, uh, I was in my kitchen. I lost strength in both of my legs as I fell to the floor, called up, into a ball, I hit my head against a refrigerator. And the pain was so excruciating. I don't really have the words for it. I often say it felt like a nuclear bomb that had gone off in my heart. That I had my first out of body experience. And I've read when victims go through deep trauma or tragedy, they often leave their body because You can't be in your body. The pain is overwhelming and I believe in God and I believe I went into the loving arms of of God. I don't remember how long I was gone for. And God held me in an embrace for what seemed like a long time and when the explosion subsided, he sent me back to my body with the wisdom that there are victims at both ends of the gun. Now that didn't come from my intellect. I don't think us mortals are capable of it or my loving heart. Rather, it was a download from a higher power. And I didn't really recognize that wisdom till a few months later because my best friend was with me after I found out I lived by myself, after I'd made some very difficult calls to His mom, Tariq had a very special relationship with his mother. I have a very special relationship with my mom. Unfortunately, she passed uh, in 2017, still miss her. Um, And many of you can relate. Uh, And you know, it's one of the hardest things I've done. I mean, how do you tell a mother she's never going to see her son again or give him a hug or hear him laugh? Uh, and then call my parents and my daughter. And then I call my best friend and he says, don't do anything, we'll be right there. And his wife went to get Tariq's girlfriend, Jennifer, because they had just gotten engaged and moved in together. And I was alone with my buddy and he says, whoever these kids are that killed Tariq, because we had, uh, there were eyewitnesses. Uh, I hope they're frying hell. And my response was, I don't see it that way. I see that there are victims at both ends of the gun. And this is an hour and a half after I found out. And I know he broke down and cried. He said, if somebody killed Adam, which was his son, not only would I want the killer, I'd want the whole clan. I never went there. And later, nine months later, I'd learned a lot about gangs and crime and drugs and alcohol. I was shocked.
6: hundred shootings a day. We lose a youth every hour. We just went through Uvalde.
1: Sandy Hook, six and seven years old, 20 of them, killed in automatic gunfire, nine and 10 years, 19 of them in Uvalde in the richest nation in the world? And the question I ask is, how did we get here? We like to think we are a civil society. but Children killing children is not a mark of a civil society. And
6: I felt we were not doing enough to save lives of our young children.
1: And I'm a first-generation American citizen. I love the country. There's a lot of good here. I'm not knocking it, but when it comes to violence, we are a very poor example. And I immigrated here almost 50 years ago, thinking my children would be safer because I was in Kenya and we were a minority there. And targeted, I'm sure some of you know the story about Idi e. Amin. Um, so it's ironic that Tariq was actually killed on a street, on a city in a country I'd picked for him. But I felt as an American citizen, and I'm proud to be one, I'm sure you all are, that I must take my share of the responsibility for the bullet that took my son's life. Why?
6: Because he was an American child. 14. You should be playing with toys and not
1: guns. So who's the enemy here? Is it the 14-year-old who killed Tariq? Or is it the societal peer pressure that forced many young men and women to fall to the crack and choose lives of drugs and alcohol and crime and gangs and weapons. That's the, that's the real culprit. So I started the Tari Khamisa Foundation with the mandate of stopping kids from killing kids by breaking the cycle of youth violence. And essentially we had three mandate. First was to save lives of children, important to do because we lose so many every single day in the hour we're gonna be here when I use another young soul. Second was to empower them with the right choices so they don't fall through the crack and get involved with anger and resentment and drugs and alcohol and weapons and violence and crime and and, uh, alcohol, which is a big problem as I'm sure you all know And our third mandate was to teach the principles of nonviolence, of accountability, of empathy, of compassion, of forgiveness, of peacemaking and peacebuilding. And I started with a very simple premise, that violence is a learned behavior. If you accept that as a truism, then nonviolence can also be a learned behavior. But you have to teach it. Because kids are not going to learn that through osmosis, and where do our children learn nonviolence? And I was shocked, and, and maybe you will be too, when I learned that by the time our kids get to grade one, six years old, they've seen over a hundred thousand
6: images of violence—movies, video game, television. They see violence everywhere.
1: And when I show up with the grandfather in schools and we're introduced, this man's grandson killed this man's son. And here they are together in the spirit of forgiveness, compassion, and brotherhood. It's the first time they've seen an alternative to violence. And we don't start till fourth grade. that they see an alternative to violence because primary most of their condition that violence begets more violence. Well, we break that mold. So over the, over the last 25 years, the foundation has created a safe school model, which has four programs for youth. We've stayed uh, in the space from fourth to ninth grade because Tony joined the gang in sixth grade and took the life of my son in eighth grade. And, and then uh, we have another program that we created in partnership with Berkeley University, based on our restorative work we're doing with kids for parents. And then during COVID we've created a program for teachers, because parents and teachers also support their kids as the foundation, so we feel that we need to partner with all parents and teachers, so this the program now has six. Uh, the the safe school model is the umbrella name of the program but it has six components to it four for the youth, one for the parents and one for the teachers and it's working and let me read this to you because I've got over 100,000 letters and uh, I uh, just to give you an example of the impact that the program has on kids so this was a Uh, A lady I met uh, uh, who was a senior at Bishop School, which is a very high end school in La Jolla, close to where I live. My name is Vanessa Brunetta and I am a senior at the Bishop School. Following your presentation on campus November 8th last Friday, I had a very heartfelt encounter with you and I really appreciate the time you took out of your day to listen to my story for a few minutes. I previously attended a middle school where you presented about seven years ago and changed the outlook I had on life at the time. I have been in the foster care system since age eight and your story and ability to spread the idea of peace inspired me to take the appropriate steps towards success as a 13 year old, following your presentation Seven years ago, my attitude towards the world no longer represented hatred, but took me down a path of forgiveness. Forgiveness of my biological mother, whom I deemed responsible for my being in the foster care system and forgiveness of the world, whom I held accountable for all of my young confusion and pain. Today as a senior, I'm extremely appreciative of the message you have and continue to spread as it has not only changed my life seven years ago, but still influences my daily journey. It was a pleasure meeting you seven years ago and again for the second time last week. Thank you again, Mr. Kamisa. She graduated with a 5.0 and has a full ride at UCLA. Obviously couldn't afford bishops, so she won a scholarship to that. think about the trajectory of her. She met me one time when she was 13 years old, had been in foster care since eight. It wouldn't surprise me if someday she becomes president of the United States. I can tell you, I met her, I could see the determination in her eyes. So this stuff is teachable. And I'm truly in gratitude to the universe for choosing me to do this work. Obviously, I worked as an international finance when my son was alive. That was not my spiritual purpose. I believe we are all on planet Earth and we all have a spiritual purpose. And I think my son came into my life to gift me with what is my spiritual purpose. So let me, you know, I I open with a prayer and let me finish with a quote, which is about peace, which inspired my third book, which Tony wrote the foreword to, uh, From Fulfillment to Peace. Actually that quote uh, I wrote in my journal after 9-11. We all remember 9-11 and we just had an anniversary. Um, It's heavy on our hearts. It's probably a little heavier on my heart because the perpetrators of this atrocity were from my faith and I couldn't quite get how they would use the faith to, perpet- to, you know, to perpetrate this atrocity. When the same faith taught me forgiveness and all faith teach forgiveness. And I went into this very introspective space for many months and uh, I finally realized it wasn't the faith. It was geopolitics, petrol dollars, you know, weapons, military, the arms industrial complexes, who were called it. Um, and this quote came out, sustained goodwill creates friendship. Now that ought to be obvious that you don't make friends by bombing, then you make friends by extending goodwill. So sustained goodwill creates friendship, sustained friendship creates trust. Sustained trust creates empathy, sustained empathy creates compassion, and sustained compassion creates peace. So I call this my peace formula, right? Goodwill, friendship, trust, empathy, compassion, peace. But people ask me, how do you extend goodwill to the person who murdered your child? I tell them, you do that through forgiveness. As it's evident, it worked for me, it worked for my family. What I believe is a miracle, it worked for him and his family. It can work for you and your families. And indeed, it can work for North and South Korea, Israel and Palestine. It can work for Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria. Now we're going through Ukraine and Russia. And of course, it can work for the US of A. We're already divided as a nation. And forgiveness can stitch us back together. So let me stop there by sharing that peace is possible. How do I know that? Because I am at peace. Thank you, and I'll turn it back to Terry.
0: Thank you so much, Azim. I'm gonna hand it off to Yelena. She's going to give us a moment to pause before we go into the breakouts. We thought that it was best to do that, knowing the power of Azim's story.
2: Yana. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much, Azim. Yeah, I just invite you to just feel your feet, feel your feet touching the ground.
5: And just allow yourself to pause. To really pause, there is sacredness in that. To pause and feel.
2: Feel into the same story, feel into your experience of that story.
5: Feeling to silence. is supportive for you you might want to feel your heart put your hand on your heart if it
2: is supportive for you you might want to take some breaths that feel suiting for you
5: if it is supportive for you
2: I invite you to even say may this suffering awaken awaken's compassion
5: to feel and to be with it at all.
2: And as we invite you into the breakout room, if you need to pause, if you, please do so, and I also invite you as you are sharing to perhaps pause after each share and invite a breath. You can invite each other in. Take a breath with me. I know Terry will talk more about um, our guidelines for the breakouts, but yeah. Threat gently. Be gentle, kind to, to yourself and to each other. Your hearts are open right now. Thank you. Thank you, Yana.
0: Liz? do you have an inquiry you'd like to share for the group to go into the breakout rooms with?
7: Yes. Thank you, Yelena. And Azim. thank you so much for the gift of your life and, um, and your willingness to share your story. As we move into the breakout rooms, one of the things we thought that we might invite you to think about is how beautifully Azim shows us that path from forgiveness to peace. And we invite you to think about a time when forgiveness in your life was either offered by you or offered to you in a way that brought you a sense of peace. And so we invite you to think as you respond to Azim's story um, about that notion. Was there ever a time in your life when you forgiveness was either offered by you or to you in a way that shifted you into a place of greater peace. And, um, and Terry will, as I said, explain kind of how we move into the rooms and hold that conversation.
0: Thank you, Liz. So when we go into the rooms, we'd like you to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others have an opportunity
2: to share. And if you don't feel inspired to speak, to give the gift of listening
0: and keep confidentiality when we come back together in the big room, feel free to share your own story. But if another story is one that moved you, speak to the themes of that story and not the details.
2: So that it won't be public on the podcast. So I try to put three people in a room and we'll see how it
0: goes. And we'll be back in about 10 minutes or so. So I'm
2: going to pause the recording and we'll be back together again shortly. Welcome back, everyone. So...
0: I'm very curious, does anyone like to share what they talked about in the small rooms or what surfaced, what's bubbling up right now for
8: you? Well, I I can go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we had a really, really interesting conversation. East Coast met West Coast here, which was interesting in and of itself. Um, The saying that that, you know Azim has expressed in terms of seeing, uh, you know, on both sides of the gun, you know, really resonates uh, with with folks. And as it turned out, uh, uh, in talking about a couple of our incidences. that we both work on restorative justice <laughs> and policy, <laughs> changing policy, you know, to uh, further uh, peace. Mm-hmm. So that was was a nice experience. Thank you, Azim, for being here.
1: You're welcome. Nice to see you, Geraldine.
0: <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Gerilyn. Who else would like to share? You can bring yourself off mute
2: and speak. We'd love to hear from you. Anyone feeling inspired?
3: There's a quote um, that was in this very, very old calendar from like the 30s that my grandmother had and it was a. Uh, I looked for my god my god I could not see I looked for the spirit but the spirit eluded me I looked for my brother and I found all three and um, that just is in my head right now it just appeared probably because we're talking so much about empathy and compassion and greater society, transforming. I don't know, it's cool to be here. I um, really appreciate this space. Um, I was at the human trafficking conference the other day and it kind of came up just the, the pervasiveness of violence. And that Azim was talking about, but what I what I've learned, what I see, what I believe is that this violence has been there. Um, I'm a survivor of uh, sexual violence as a child,
8: mm-hmm.
3: and what what we were discussing was that the laws regarding rape. Within marriage were non-existent, and that you could marry children, and so basically child rape was legal. And I it, I bring it up not to get off topic, but just to realize that there was this just pervasive brutality in the way men and women had to see each other, and. I, I feel like it does tie together sexual violence on violence, it's all about
6: recognizing the value.